When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Here we go, Auburn fans. Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and Auburn just had its bowl game in the Birmingham Bowl. Houston barely squeaked out a win there. Auburn just, they, they just didn't have it there. And uh, we ended up losing 17 to 13. We ended up finishing our season six and seven under the first year of Brian Harson. And uh, to talk about this Birmingham Bowl, I brought along with me Kyle Loomis. Kyle, how are you doing? Well, I'm good uh, in most respects. Uh, sad that we couldn't have Jared here tonight, but uh, he gives me the pleasure of talking about this wonderful uh, into the season. As you can tell, we're a little glum, a little sad about the results of the whole thing. But, hey, that's what happens in a transition year, folks. I tried to tell a lot of people that, and they didn't listen. But here we are, six and seven. <laughs> what a fun one. <laughs> yeah, not not what we were expecting, especially when we had hopes of even maybe even have nine or ten wins. And then the end of your season, you just kind of – we lose our last five games. And Now, now hold up. But were you seriously considering we were going to win nine or ten? Did you really think that? I thought we could potentially split Bama or Georgia, and we almost did. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And, and, and think, honestly, we shouldn't have lost to Mississippi State. Well, and here's the thing. Most of the games that Auburn played in the season, and I know you guys will talk about this in your season review, but just since I won't be there more than likely, you know, I, I think Auburn was in a position to win the majority of its games. The only game where it was not in it that I can think of just offhand right here is Georgia, where it was just from the get-go. And and they were in it for, you know, about a quarter and a half, it seemed like. Um, but th- this wasn't a team that was completely incapable of winning um, football games, but it was, based on the results, incapable of finishing right. football games. And that's well, the result of Houston versus Auburn. Well, and I think some of this even was pretty evident, even in the Birmingham Bowl, where we got down to the end zone, or, or to the red zone, but we couldn't find the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a lot of times what would happen, you know, this, this season, it was kind of a theme. Um, and that's something they're going to have to solve for. Um, I mean, we've got a new offensive coordinator coming in with Austin Davis. Um, and then it sounds kind of like Brian Harson is going to be doing the play calling. So you'll get some different action there compared to what we had with Mike Bobo. So I don't know about you, Kyle, but I take little pieces from this bowl game, kind of looking towards the future 2022 season for Auburn. But I mean, for the most part, it's kind of like we know what we have with Tank Bigsby. Uh, we now know John Samuel Schinker is coming back uh, for his 17th or 20th year of football <laughs> at Auburn. Uh, but exciting to see him come back, especially since in this game, he actually broke a season, uh, single season record or most catches and most receiving yards by a tight end in Auburn history. So that's super impressive. Uh, I mean, all by himself, this dude has 
pretty much single-handedly helped our receiving core um, bolster what what we thought was going to be. I mean, and it ended up not being the best wide receiving core. So yeah, and he he covered up some very big wounds that Auburn had exposed this year in the wide receiving area, and he's a tight end. But the fact that he became such a reliable uh, go-to guy in the passing game. Uh, frankly, kept this thing from getting much worse than it could have gotten um, at times. Now, he wasn't perfect, and he wasn't you know, the best tight end in the country, but boy, was he reliable and solid, and uh, I enjoyed – I don't enjoy having him back. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a guy like that, I mean, his leadership as well uh, on the offensive side when we're probably going to have – I don't know if we're going to have a new quarterback, but it's possible that we might get a – starting quarterback next year that didn't play on Auburn's team last year. Um, so there's, there's definitely some, some continuity that I really like about John Samuel Schenker coming back, but also, I mean, tank Bigsby, I feel like that's kind of, you know, <laughs> brushed under the rug a little bit, but even in the Birmingham bowl, he had quite a day. I mean, he had 164 total yards uh, and, and that's all by himself. I mean, he was pretty much doing a, a lot of it. Um, just making things happen and doing what Tank does, which is, you know, mow over people. Um, we did also for on our defense, uh, I mean, I feel like we have to kind of you know, nitpick little things, but one of the good things that I think Auburn's defense did really well was besides uh, Houston's pretty much, you know, the beginning of the day or mm-hmm. the beginning of the game and the end, Auburn had nine straight possessions where they kept them out of the end zone. And that's something to be praised. I mean, I think our defense, I mean, with all of the guys that have over this last week kind of been reporting that they're coming back, I think that's a huge positive for this this defense going into the next season. I think one of the things that Auburn fans need to take a step back and look at it is our reactions to things. And, you know, there was a very visceral reaction to why is, you know, Derek Mason not being fired alongside Mike Bobo. And I think you're seeing the reason why is because, you know, there was a serious groundwork that was being laid for a new system, whether you like it or not. Frankly, I hate it. I hate the three, four defense, but if it's going to be successful, then I'm all for it in the sense that I want offer to succeed. So I'm just going to shut my mouth and just, even if I don't, I think it's disgusting. I just like when I play uh, NCAA <laughs> football or, or Madden, I, I steer clear of that a, because I just don't know how to do it properly. And I just love rushing more people. <laughs> it's like I have at least four on the line, if not five. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think what you're seeing is the validation of why the decisions that were made were made. That being keeping Mason and firing Bobo. Uh, and and frankly, I, I probably preferred Bobo over Mason based off of the performance, but you got to look at the players coming back. They're buying into the system, it seems like, at least on defense, um, and they see the value in what's transpiring and what's taking place there. Um, I think it was just a learning curve. And, uh, you know, one of the things that can't be taken away is sometimes this season, and you saw it in the bowl game here, the response. You, you said it, however many possessions in a row, they shut them down. Uh, right. It looks there, you know, if you look at their scoring breakdown for Houston, uh, seven in the first quarter, three in the second, zero in the third. I mean, that's a straight up Auburn like scoring, you know, <laughs> stat line there typically where we don't do anything in the third quarter. And of course, they get that last minute uh, touchdown there. So that's disappointing. You know, it, it's, this was a defense that wasn't um, dominating. It wasn't a Kevin Steele defense. 
but it had the talent there. And I think with another year under that, you're going to see things start to pay off for Derek Mason and what he wants to do here at Auburn. And um, I, I take not, not as a moral victory, but I, I take their performance, especially in the second half and the latter part of the second quarter um, as something to build off of. And that's what bowl games are all about is moving forward into the future. If you're not in the playoff. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even in this bowl game, we didn't have Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean, our starting linebackers. Right. Yep. And that by itself would have you know, probably said to myself, uh, yeah, we're, we're not doing anything. Um, our defense is going to be crippled, but yet we even had nine quarterback hurries and even a, uh, we had a sack, but I feel like we could have had more um, this game, a lot more. I mean, we got our hands on Houston's quarterback a lot. Um, and, and kind of to cap all of that off, we even had Chandler Wooten go out with a bang and oh, he boy. had 12 capital, uh, 12 tackles and even that crazy interception. So that boy had a day and glad to see him, uh, just be as successful when, uh, his name's called and he has to step up and get some extra reps in the linebacker position. And you saw this season too. Look, everybody talked about Owen Pepo. Everybody talked about Zachary McClain. And rightfully so, right? Because they were the two stars. And Chandler Wooten was the guy that sat out a year and came in. And while he was a good linebacker and a solid linebacker, you didn't expect his name to be spoken about a lot, but you know, whether it's injuries, but also his own performance. I mean, he led tackles uh, for us several games this year, improved why, you know, the linebacker position has not been the problem for the longest period of time. And it's been because of the recruiting that we've done there, the developing that we've done there, uh, and convincing guys to stay longer probably than they maybe sometimes should have, you know, I mean, Owen Pepo is, we'll talk about all this later, but I think, you know, getting him to stay is a huge win for Auburn. Um, but Chandler Wooten, I'm very happy for the way he, he ended his career here at Auburn. Yeah. Same here. I mean, the way he's played when he's when his name is called, I, I've been super impressed by him. Um, I don't know if he'll necessarily get a shot in the NFL, but Hey, go, go try. And I mean, if you kind of show them, Hey, I can be that leading linebacker. I mean, some maybe some team will take him on their practice team. And I, uh, I will say this for any player that thinks they can't make it, or any player that anyone that like sits behind a microphone. I'm saying that about me. Anybody who hides behind a social media handle and says someone can't make it in the NFL, you're ignoring the story of Kurt Warner. You're ignoring the story of a guy from North Northern Iowa who couldn't even make it to the NFL then, went to Arena Football League and finally got a chance and ended up got his opportunity and ended up being the Super Bowl and the NFL MVP for the year. Don't tell me someone can't make it in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm, I'm Chandler Wooten. If you want it, man, go work for it and you'll be yeah. there. Well, there, there's plenty of examples of even guys coming out of high school. I mean, uh, Roger McCreary is a perfect example of that, where he's probably going to be one of the first guys taken in the NFL draft this year. Yeah. And yet coming out of high school, he was ranked close to a thousandth best player for his class. A thousandth, not, not even in the top 100. And, and so this guy, you know, same thing with Chandler Wooten, you just got to prove yourself and show uh, to the NFL recruiters and that you can go out there and you can play hard and you're a smart guy. Um, and, and that's kind of what they're looking for. Do you think that Rogers should have played in this game? Uh, yeah, I'm opening, I'm same opening thing that with can like, of worms for you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the same thing with Zacoby. I mean, guys that are healthy, 
uh, I mean, I, I, I get why they don't. I mean, what did we see with Matt Corral from Ole Miss, their quarterback, go out potentially with a you know pretty bad ankle injury, and that's what you're kind of you know hedging your bets against that that uh, doesn't happen to you, so you don't play. But at the same time, you you, you want to I don't know just an all as a fan you want them to play. Yeah. So I see it both ways. And I mean, sure. I would have loved to see him, but I respect that his, his choice not to. Yeah. And I think that's a bigger conversation to have for another day. I was just curious what your thoughts on it were, because you know, that's, I said this to a lot of people I was sitting with at the game and I said, this is going to be a real true test of the young talent that we have at defensive back because the safety valve is no longer there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people don't want to, don't want to throw over to Roger McCreary Island uh, those that are being smart because there's not going to be a high degree of success, which limits you to one side of the field in theory. And boy, they had, you know, both the sides open in theory. And, you know, I, I can't think of too many times where we had just poor coverage. Of course, it's been a better week from the game. So I, I was, I guess, walking away fairly at least satisfied with what I saw. It wasn't like a complete, you know, drop off without Roger there. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree. Um, and their quarterbacks seem to be very capable. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so it wasn't for a lack of effort from them trying. I think our defense did step up because, uh, I mean, like we talk about, I mean, Jared and I have talked about this for Roger McCreary in particular. He, all by himself, will just shut down a pass game. And if you, you have a favorite receiver and Roger McCreary is on him, Good luck getting him open. I mean, it, it took even Alabama pretty much the full game to finally get some of their favorite wide receivers open because Rod McCreary was just all over them. So the, that part, I mean, yeah, I would have loved to have him, but I think our our secondary stepped up in the Birmingham Bowl uh, in a big way, and that that's you know pretty exciting for me when uh, we know we're not going to have him next year. Yep, it was the first true test of what this team might look like next year. Give them an off-season of development and training and learning to continue to grow in this defensive scheme. You know, the talent's there to pull it off. It's just a matter of execution at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, we've now seen TJ Finley. I think this was, is this a third start? Is that right? I'm trying to think. Um, So Bo got hurt in Mississippi State, if I've got that correct, or is that Texas A&M? I think it was Mississippi State. Uh, he played South Carolina, Alabama, so this would be the third game, I think, fully that where he was the starting quarterback. Yeah, and, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, how he performed this game. I, I think there were definitely some open balls that, you know, if he had even made one of those long passes that he just overthrew, yeah, we, we're not even talking about a loss. We're talking about a win, and TJ Finley's the future of Auburn football and whatever like we want to get hyped up about, but it didn't roll. It didn't happen that way. He did get a touchdown pass and 227 yards passing, right? But there were lots of, I mean, even some dump off routes that he just straight up missed. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also had some incredible passes to Kobe and uh, that, that part gets you excited. It's just kind of this weird mixed bag. I feel like with TJ, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, how he performed this game couple things. Um, his leading receivers for him are all guys that are going to be back. John Samuel Shanker, Kobe Hudson, Tank Bixby. Um, 
that's great. He's already got a great report, it seems, with them if he's the guy that starts next season. Um, you know, I've said all this season, not minced words, whether it's here when I've been able to join you or on our YouTube channel with those live streams and all those videos I do there. Bo Nix was the best quarterback we had. And, you know, I'll argue that to death with anybody. He was he's very in many ways better than T.J. Finley. That doesn't mean that T.J. Finley is not a capable and a capable starting quarterback and didn't deserve a spot. In fact, I said after the Georgia State game, he deserved a chance to start because of what he mm-hmm. did. And so yeah. I'm happy in a way that he got the chance to do it, albeit on very poor circumstances, if that makes sense. So I I think in this game, it's not the overthrows for me. It was not taking care of the short intermediate passes where he threw them at people's feet, short-armed them. I was sitting in the stands, and I looked at the guy and said, am I seeing things incorrectly here? Because I was much lower in the bowl than we thought we were going to be originally sitting. And so we were very close to the field. I'm like, I I don't sit down at this level this often. It's just (laughs) just how it looks, you know, from this vantage point. But it looks like he's almost forcing something. You know, it's not the traditional throw, even on the short throws. You know, Mm. you're supposed to follow through and stuff like that. And I'm not a quarterback guru, so I'm probably talking out my butt right here. (laughs) So uh, I, I just... It's not that I don't think he wasn't prepared or anything like that. I just saw some things that didn't make me feel very comfortable keeping him out there. And I'm very much a guy that wants to, you know, give everybody an opportunity. Uh, so, you know, everybody wants Demetrius Davis to come out there and do his thing. But there's a reason he's not starting. And there's a reason that he hasn't gotten an opportunity this season. And... I think people need to realize that just because you want him doesn't mean he's the answer. Everybody wanted TJ all season and no offense, but you know, in the three games, he didn't make that much of a difference. So I think it goes to show you that there are problems. It's, it's not even about TJ. It's not about Bo. It's not about Demetrius or anything on the quarterback side. Frankly, it's not even about the scheme or coaching. It's, it really is up front that the biggest issues are. And I know we're talking about quarterbacks right now, but that's always the area that I go to. Um, the quarterback, even TJ Finley was not the problem in this game. Just, and that, so it's kind of unfair. I feel like for us to make big overarching assessments outside of just the performance of this game on him. Um, I don't think he had a great game. He had 227 yards, uh, you know, 19 for 37. I, if I was going to grade him out at this very moment, I'd say probably like a C minus at best, um, kind of took care of business for the most part, but did enough to kind of want me to knock him down a little below average. Um, but outside of this game, I think he still deserves to have a lot of leeway and a chance to start if that kind of wraps up those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I, I've been at. I mean, you, you, at the end of the season, you, you say pretty much to any, any team and say, yeah, your starting quarterback for the last three seasons is injured and he's out and you got to go to your backup who has, you know, pretty limited experience in TJ Finley, um, at least at Auburn. And you're just kind of hoping that he does pretty well. And I think he did average, but average isn't going to win you a lot of football games and especially against top level uh, talent. So I think if we, in this next kind of, you know, off season, if either we go with TJ Finley, Demetrius Davis, or maybe some transfer down the down the road that we get. I think th- having this offseason is going to be huge. Um, either way, they're, they're going to have to work on 
whatever chemistry is needed because I mean, think about it. TJ Finley's kind of been the backup. He hasn't had as many reps with the ones as Bo Nix has. And he had to kind of build on that. So that's why you see when he got things going, like with Kobe Hudson this in this Birmingham ball, you know, he he had things pretty good with him. He he was on the same page a lot of times. But it takes time for that to happen. Um and it's not gonna happen overnight with even a super talented guy like TJ Finley. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Any thoughts about our defense? I know we kind of you know just talked high high level about you know defense doing pretty well um, and you know, holding Houston really for the most part to only ten points and until that final drive that uh, ended up being the game winning drive. Any other thoughts about defense and uh, how they perform this game? Yeah, I think we've hit the most of it. I'll call a certain player, and I'm surprised we haven't brought it up yet. Smoke Monday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was having a blast in his final game at Auburn. Uh, got, obviously, two targeting – is that right? Two targeting penalties? Right. Yep. One, one got overturned, yeah. Right. And the second one uh, did not go in his favor. In your opinion, AJ, was the second one targeting? I mean – my my thinking about it all is pretty much if the dude hops right back up, which that dude did, why is that targeting? I mean, right. literally, and it was that was on the interception, right? That was one of the interceptions. Yes, I it think. was following the interception, and uh, that yeah. probably. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say that part in a second, but yes, it was after the interception. Yeah, so you know, smoke's trying to, and the dude, it's not a defenseless. You know, sure, yeah, he lowered his head, but it wasn't like it's malicious or anything. He's just coming in trying to block the dude, and I mean, it's it's smoke Monday. Let's be honest, he he's a head hunter, and I hate it because he's always called for these kind of things, but. It is kind of how he plays, and it was very fitting that uh, he went out in a, a blaze of glory in the <laughs> with a, a targeting call. Let me tell you this. Uh, it was so fun. I was on the Auburn sideline watching him after that just try to pump up the crowd and pump yeah. up his teammates and stuff. And, you know, you hate to see it ha- in that way for someone. It's part of the reason that I hate 
the targeting rule and will fight tooth and nail against anyone that tries to say it's a valid rule. It is not. I, I'm sorry. Um, but, um, you know, it was nice to see him take it in stride and still be there for his teammates. And what you love about Smoke Monday is also what you hate about him. Like you said, he's a headhunter. He just kind of comes flying in there. He he is more known for his tackling ability more than his pass coverage ability. And he loves to hit somebody. He reminds me a lot of myself, to be honest with you. And I was not a good football player, but like on scout team, when high school, when I'd run, I loved playing safety because I just come to love flying in there, and just pops them. Oh yeah, you know, all 140 pounds of me, you know, so, <laughs> if that uh, much, if if I'm soaking wet. So I, I get his mentality, and I think he probably didn't do himself any favors for the NFL uh, if that's his aspirations, but. um yeah, I don't think it was a targeting penalty. I think he should have been left in and would, would love to have seen him finish out. The thing that I want to point out from that is I think, unfortunately, and you never want to blame it on one player, I think he cost the team the win. Because if I remember the interception got down to about like the 20 yard line. You're right. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah. I think we win the game because I think we at least put a field goal up on the board. Uh, and that makes, granted, you know, Houston, if they had scored you know, remain the same for them and they got another touchdown. They would have won by one, but you got to think that puts things in a little bit more of a dicey situation for them. It gives our defense a little bit more confidence knowing they're getting, you know, a little bit of support after getting the interception. Yeah. So the momentum was clearly in Auburn's favor at that point and just completely swung over and that just took the air out of the room. So it's, I don't think he was being selfish in any way. That's not what I'm saying. I just think it was poor decision and poor and fortunate and probably ultimately did cost us the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about probably 30 to 40 yards of difference in a, you know, interception return mm -hmm. and that's, that's pretty big in my books. Right. Um, and I mean the way smoke Monday, like we said, he, he just plays like that, but you kind of got to understand the situation a little bit there. You just got an interception and, you know, just get in front of a dude and don't try to take a set off. <laughs> like, uh, that's that's my mentality on it but you know in the moment i'm sure he was thinking all right awesome i can you know hit this dude block him and that ended up being a pretty negative play because we didn't get any points out of that right and, and now let, listen the responsibility shifts to the offense to do something with it even if there is a penalty on that and so you can't that's why i say you can't pull full responsibility on smoke but it sure didn't make it easy. <laughs> so, yeah. um, unfortunately, that is going to be how people remember him in his last bit as an Auburn Tiger, and I think that's unfortunate. But, you know, that's the way it goes. I, I enjoyed having smoke, and I think he, more often than not, brought good things to the table. Uh, was just happy to see him take it in stride. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for a dude that I feel like has been one of our defensive leaders, um, and at times been incredible. I mean, he's had pick sixes. He's had fantastic hits on guys that were legal and fine. The, I think the thing that's got to probably overshadow him is these targeting, which again is very unfortunate um, because I think he's not a dirty player and he may be thought of with all these targeting calls as a dirty player, but I really don't think so. He, he's just playing with his heart and sometimes his helmet was in the wrong position. <laughs> Yes, your your heart's in the right right place, but your helmet was not. So no. I, I will take a guy with passion and desire and just wants to be out there and pop someone any day 
over the guy that's too scared to hit somebody. So that's why, you know, a lot of people who get frustrated with smoke, I get frustrated with them. Cause I'm like, you know, at least he is just having a blast out there. And that's, yeah. and that's all you could ask of a guy sometimes in, in a world where there's a lot of selfishness in this sport. Uh, and I'm not, that's not saying about one particular player or anything like that. Just, I, I value what he brought to the table in his mentality, but you know, you have to accept the, the bad things that come with that. Right. Exactly. And, and maybe some team, I mean, in the NFL, sometimes they'll take a risk on a guy like that. That just has a lot of passion. He's pretty physical, get him in there and see what the, what you can do for him. Especially now, you know, how many players are getting in because of COVID related reasons, right? Hey, a guy like him could be a great depth piece and come in day one and play well. I mean, if he wants to pop someone, special teams is just waiting for him in the NFL. Yes, definitely. And I mean, while we're talking about special teams, I mean, Hey, our special teams, we haven't mentioned this, but throughout this whole season, we've talked about all of the penalties that special teams have incurred. Right. And this game, no special teams penalties. I was not expecting that with how many, you know, kickoff returns, punt returns, something where special teams just, you know, put us in a hole. And this time we played a clean game on special teams. And overall, I think we only had three penalties the whole game. So overall, pretty good there. And we only had two attempts at kick returns, you know, and then I'm trying to look here. They only punted. Well, they didn't punt at all, which is kind of weird to think about. Uh, That's yeah. Actually, I'm looking at the stats here. I don't see any punt returns for us. Uh, So there weren't a lot of opportunities to make mistakes, but as often as we were making them to, to not see that happen was encouraging. Um, special teams wise. I mean, we just like wore Oscar Chapman's leg out all year, (laughs) but he still is just a beast. 48 yards average in this game for him. And then we got to give a shout out to Ben Patton. You know, it's much harder to follow Daniel Carlson being the brother, you know, Anders Carlson, but it's much harder to follow both the Carlson's and you're a walk. I think he's a walk on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the dude steps in here. It's two for two on the day makes all his extra his single extra point i don't know what more you can ask for from a guy who's been thrown into the fire like that so well done ben Patton. yeah i mean the dude has been pretty darn good i mean for for a guy like you said that's been behind such an automatic kicker behind anders and daniel carlson ben came in and did what we needed him to especially in the iron bowl but even this game you know being two for two and those aren't I mean, a 28 yarder for a college kicker should be automatic, but you never know with a backup. Um, right. So I, I'm, I've been impressed with him. And uh, hey, it's always good to have a, an extra guy. Um, speaking of our next guy, Alec McPherson, I was watching the uh, Under Armour All American game and I didn't know he punted. I don't think we're going to have him punt, but he did punt in it. Right. So. You see a lot of that in high school. They tried to have me do that as a kicker, and they saw my punts, and were like, no, you stick to field goals. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's a very common thing in high school, and I miss it, actually. You know, the days of Damon Duvall. Uh, Philip Yost, who followed him, tried to do a little bit of that, but that's when you saw that transition to, now we got to have specialized kickers, because they are very different things that you have to do. But mm-hmm. Damon Duvall was the last great one to do it all, kickoff, uh, yeah, kickoffs, punting, and field goals, extra points. Uh, it's, it's been a while since Auburn at least has seen someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there's definitely been a specialized, you're not seeing in the NFL, um, pretty much anymore. Uh, 
so that's just kind of the way things are. You're specialized as a place kicker or a kickoff guy, or you're doing the just only punts. Um, and I mean, they, they literally now have a lot of times kicking and punting camps that are specific. You, you learn those techniques. Um, well, especially now there's so many different punts that you can do um, with backspin or spiral kicks, you know, pinning it at the end zone. Uh, there's just so many different ways you can do it. It's not just like drop the ball, kick it. There's a lot more to it. Um, I just kind of wanted to finish this out uh, with uh, one of the cool things because I'm just a huge fan of Kalen Newton. Um, even though he doesn't get that much play time, he has been electric on special teams. And yeah. he did again, he had an awesome kickoff return tackle um, at the 13. And anytime you hit a guy, on kickoffs and he gets dropped at the 13, anything really before the 20 yard line, it is just electrifying for your defense. And you, yeah, I don't know. It brings that extra energy to him. Yeah. I, I think he deserves plenty of shouts. You talk about guys falling in shadows when we were talking about the Anders Carlson situation or Ben Patton situation. I mean, the guy is basically, you know, always live in the shadow of the greatest college, uh, you know, court, not quarterback, but athlete. I think we could call him uh, in terms of football athletes and uh, had a lot to kind of, you know, ride on with his name. And he didn't really ever, you know, um, make a huge name for himself here. But the fact that we're mentioning him not once, but several times throughout the season, um, it's great to have him do that one last time. And we're thankful that he chose Auburn. Yeah, definitely. Uh, As soon as I heard him coming to Auburn was actually going to happen, I I just knew that was going to be a fun, even if it's just a fun storyline, but it ended up being more than a fun storyline because he started to make differences um, in special teams. And and that's kind of what you, you hope for when you're, I mean, a guy like him, he's, you know, probably third stringer wide receiver and he's not getting much play time on offense, but Hey, go make a play on, on special teams and help your team out. So that's what he did. Yep. Um, I think uh, one of the things that uh, we should talk about with the Birmingham bowl was what did you think about the new stadium? From a fan perspective, it looked very nice. I wasn't there, but what were you, you were there, right? Yeah, I, I I thought you were there. That's my fault. No, I, I was there, so I can maybe speak on that a little bit. But just how did it look on TV? Like, what, what did you think about it from that perspective? Yeah, no, it looked, uh, I mean, as you'd imagine for a new stadium, new, clean, the uh, Jumbotron looked pretty awesome. Um, I mean, it looked like a good size for Birmingham. Um, it seemed like it fit. Uh, it wasn't too big, wasn't too small. And even though it was kind of a gloomy type day, I, I seem, I mean, all of the people that I've heard seemed to kind of like it. Um, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything at, you know, groundbreaking, like the Superdome or, you know, whatever else big NFL type stadium, but, you know, for something in Birmingham that could be now kind of a, a good alternative to a bigger stadium like that. I like it. I think um, they did a great job suiting it to what Birmingham is typically going to see. Uh, it looks great. Um, I kind of like it's interesting the way you get into the stadium. I think that's maybe a little bit of a slight complaint. The only complaint that I really had from the day was they were not prepared for the capacity of her food and beverages and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, they I think it's 55,000 that can fit in there. I think they realized they'd probably only ever see like probably 40,000 max, if that in a UAB situation or something else like that. But when Auburn comes to town, they fill it up. And the Houston <laughs> fans seem to travel decently too. 
Um, so we were, I remember just standing in line all of halftime plus some with some of the Houston fans. They're like, I just didn't think y'all going to show up like this. It's like, yeah, we travel pretty well. <laughs> so That's cool. uh, overall, the experience is great um, out, outside of that situation. I think it's, you know, I don't really want to see this bowl that often, but if we have to come back to that, um, the area that it's in that's growing and, you know, getting better over there, um, I think they've done a great job setting this up for a successful future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there. I don't know the the way most of the people. I did hear that complaint about the food, um, but I mean that's an easy fix. You you hire some more people, and you know make it work a little bit smoother. I don't think that's well. I, I will back that. Let me since you weren't there, you won't get that perspective. It wasn't so, and I I can't say that for like the actual food stations. They maybe needed more people. It was just the the machines and stuff didn't seem like it they were able to move as fast and stuff mm. like that um so i don't know if hiring more people was the issue or the answer uh but to me it was just simply the machines the way the lines would like the lines were backed up to the state there were people in the steps oh, of man. getting down into the seats lined up to get food like that's how far back they got up and i think that has more to do with machinery and the way they built the stadium to only house that much of a line. Uh, that's, that's the main thing. Hmm, gotcha. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll figure it out. I hope they do just because that could be probably, inhi- you know, it could prohibit some people from coming if uh, they know they can just sit at home and watch a game in the comfort from their home and, mm-hmm. you know, go to the fridge and get something versus waiting an hour in a line for, you know, a three dollar hot dog. So we we were a major test run for them uh, outside of a UAB game. So this was a good learning curve for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? No, um, you know I'm, I'm happy with uh, you know where we're heading as a program in terms of this being a transition year. If you were expecting this to be a ten win season or an undefeated season or another magical year start with like Gus Malzahn had, then you were setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, we're probably a little lower than I thought we would be. I had predicted I'd bounced back and forth between seven and five and eight and four um, leading up to the season kind of settled on eight and four because I liked some things that I was seeing coming out of the off season. So um, all in all, considering the issues that arose again with the offensive line, considering, you know, some injury issues that we kept having at key positions, I think it's expected to drop have have a record of you know lower than what was expected in a transition year. Now, if this happens in year three, we might be, want to be a little bit worried. But even I'm not someone that likes to start banging the drum to fire someone. But that's that's all this is transition year. Get the foundation laid and work from there. And that's what this bowl game was: is kind of resetting the groundwork for the next year. Get some players in, figured out who's going to be a success, if TJ is going to work for us or not. All those things that we've discussed today. Um, so unfortunate that we have to end this way on this season, but at least it's done now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After it seems like a roller coaster of a year where we beat Ole Miss and we beat LSU in Baton Rouge that we end up with this record, which again, kind of shows you how close a lot of these win losses are. It it comes down to really a handful of plays in a game and that determines the game. Um, And and that's kind of, you know, the way, especially in the SEC that it is. And so, I mean, if a few more plays go Auburn's way and we execute a little bit better on a few of them, 
I think we we probably are close to. I mean, I predicted seven and five or eight and four as well. I think you're probably around there, um, and and it's viewed a little bit differently. Absolutely. Um, but when your quarterback goes out, I think that definitely affects your game plan and how you approach the games. All right, before we get out of here, how can the people stay in touch with you, Kyle? You can find me on Twitter at TigerI24. You can also find me all the time on our YouTube channel. Just search E2C on YouTube. Come on over there, subscribe. We do a lot of extra stuff over there um, outside of the podcast stuff. Yeah, always fun if you want to just drop in over there. Um, I've done it a few times and uh, always uh, some good fan interaction. So I know podcasts can be you know a little bit, you just listen to it, but that's a good interactive way of uh, you know, interacting with uh, Kyle and any of the other uh, people watching it. Um, you can find me on Twitter, A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.